Look at my butt. Show number 169 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Welcome, butt fans. Butt fans, we're back with another show. We are. We have things. We have many things. We have many things. We have a bunch of Trek crap you can go buy. (laughs) We have a couple of important items for discussion. Yes. And and I I just want to compliment us. I just finished uh, this morning while walking Jack, listening to our last show, and Mm -hmm. it was great. (laughs) It usually is. I'm always (laughs) amazed because if, if people know that people who listen to the show frequently probably know we record the show and then I often don't get around to editing it um, for maybe sometimes a week because we're busy and things going on so by the time I actually get around to putting it together into show form I've completely forgotten everything that we've said so well, the same here yeah, you know so when I listen to it, it's like oh yeah wow, wow we were funny it's, <laughs> a, it's a delight it's always a delight and speaking of that last show I just wanted to say that we got a comment on the blog by the person who made the Star Trek cross-stitch pattern that we discussed in the Etsy segment last time. I know. That was so amazing. And I just wanted to read it for people who might not have seen it. So this was the, the name of this person is Crafter Dark. And I think it is a woman. And she says, hey there, I love this show. Thanks for the review of my cross-stitch pattern. Her name is Enterprise. You guys are (laughs) hilarious. I suppose I should add on my Etsy page somewhere that the finished product might look good on a vanity. Hunky old (laughs) Captain Kirk eyeing you up while you put on the makeup. Yeah. Oh, and yes, I really do have an issue with those clumsy Excelsior class tips. (laughs) Shoddy construction. Thanks again. Your podcast is a treat. And I oh. just thought how wonderful that was. Like, they they obviously have a Google alert set up or something, and they saw the link, and then they went and they listened to the show. I guess. Well, you're very welcome, Crafter Dark. We're yes. glad you enjoyed it. And, yes. you know, let us know if, if you get the look at his butt bump, meaning your sales go up. Yes. Um, and uh, to reiterate again, we just thought that cross stitch was hilarious. Yes. But your phasers to stunning. Couldn't be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, what, what should we start with? Oh, I don't know. You want to go through the track crap? We could do that pretty quickly. Um, okay, let's do that. And, and then, uh, then we'll do other things. So, yeah. uh, I haven't opened any of these links yet, but, um, you want to go through them in order? Yes, we can do them in order. Okay. So, let's see. Um. The first one, let me just make sure we both have the list in the right order, is um, something that you can buy. And the only reason I bring it up is because it has Captain Kirk on it. And, you know, so these are all taken from a website called Entertainment Earth, which you can buy all kinds of toys and action figures, basically anything that's advertised, not just for Star Trek, but for any fandom. It's sort of a fandom aggregator buying stuff site. And um, this says, Star Trek Captain Kirk Beam Me Up Picture Frame. So I'm sure that they have learned, like everybody else, that if you put the words Captain Kirk in the title of any item, you sell twice as many of them. Yes, and you can sell it for more money. More money, too. This one actually does feature Captain Kirk, and it's very weird. It looks like it's uh, a piece of plastic that's, I don't know how big it is, six inch by four inch wide is how big the photo could be. And it looks like a piece of moon rock. And yeah. It kind of has... Looks, a, looks more like a piece of moon. It's got yeah. craters. And then there's a Star Trek insignia where you can stick a picture. And then there's the Enterprise down in the lower right corner 
um, just sort of sitting there. And then there's Captain Kirk standing, talking in his communicator. And naturally, it doesn't really look like Captain Kirk. No, no. The the, the hair is very wrong. It's almost Eddie Munster. <laughs> but what I'm puzzled about mm-hmm. is, you can put this four by six picture in but how does that work with the shape of the star trek insignia exactly you're only going to see probably two-thirds of the photo and it's going to cut off some people's faces for sure yeah so yeah that's that's real uh crap yeah so that's pretty crappy that was crap number one oh and it does say beam me up right at the top yes okay um crap well the next thing isn't really crappy wait wait i wanted to stay on this page for a minute okay if you scroll down, you can see all of the Star Trek picture frames, which is kind of oh. scary. But even a little further down, you can get this gray tribble. And the minute I saw it, I went, oh, how sad, this this old elderly tribble, you know, his hair has gone gray. Is there a bald tribble? <gasps> oh, that would be gross. Uh, yeah. Ew, that would be like those bald cats that look like aliens. Oh, yeah. How strange. So, you know, I mean, we won't do it now, but you you might want to go here and explore some more links and find more crap. The next thing. Okay. I just like this because it's called the Star Trek playing card gift set. It's not an Uno set. It's just cards, regular playing cards. I have some playing cards of Star Trek, I believe, somewhere. Um, And it's temporarily out of stock. I know. Well, that's because Captain Kirk is on the cover, standing there looking all manly and Kirkish. And then when they show you below the image of the tin, because they come in a tin with Kirk Mm -hmm. on the front, there are some cards below it. The only card that they show is the one that has Kirk on it. (laughs) And I thought, you know, probably there are others that have different characters on them. And you can sort of see the one behind Kirk. It looks like um, maybe it's Spock or somebody there. But... Wouldn't it be better if the whole deck was just Captain Kirk? Well, I'm wondering, is the is the picture of Captain Kirk the back of the card? Because it doesn't have like a K on it for Kirk or King. Um, I think it must be the back of the card. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, it says, here's your big chance to trade poker phases with Mr. Spock. Try your bluff on Captain Kirk and see if you can doctor the deck for McCoy. Uh, and do your best to engineer a win against Scotty. Okay. Okay. That's all it says. It And it has a collector's tin. But I really think that they would have done a lot better if they had made them all images of Captain Kirk on the back and not mm. anybody else. Yeah. I agree. Because wouldn't it be cool if you were playing cards and all the backs of your cards just had Kirk? Yeah. Looking all captainly. Yeah. I like this pose that he's in with his hand on his hip. Mm-hmm. And and it it is um, based on a real photo, so it yes. actually does look like him. Yeah, which is good. Yes, that's always good. So, beam me up. Okay. <laughs> okay, the title of the next one is just... <laughs> I know. You don't even have to go look at it. To get... <laughs> well, yeah, you do have to go look at it. <laughs> These are Star Trek, Spock and Uhura, Mr. Potato Head two-pack yes so it's spock and ahura in mr potato head form and they're these are like it's not it's mr and mrs potato head <laughs> wearing their star trek convention costumes is what it is so it's cosplaying potatoes yes 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, and you know, her's got the thing jammed in her ear and she's got um eye makeup on and yeah. Spock's got a communicator in his hand and he's doing the Vulcan salute with his other hand. And he has pointed ears. And he has pointed ears. These are the weirdest things in the world. Like, well, and I'm noticing, you know, the detail of uh, Spock having apparently two bananas for lips. Yes. <laughs> and Uhura's eyelashes are, are pretty freaky. <laughs> so I didn't know that they made Star Trek potato heads. And I'm a little freaked out that they make them. Um, but well, then, I'm old enough to remember when it didn't come with a plastic potato. Well, that's what I was thinking. I thought, how much better would this be if they just sold you the parts and you had to provide your own potato? Well, that's how it was when I was a kid. And, of course, we had a lot of fun doing, you know, mix and match and giving things three eyes. And, yeah. So you know, it would be better. I mean, then, then you could pick, you know, like if you were going to do the Spock potato, you'd have to look for like a long, skinny green potato. <laughs> Well, yeah, what is the fun of this? Uh, you, there is no fun. You just have it, and then you put it on your shelf. Now, if you scroll down, they also have the Kirk and Klingon potato heads. <laughs> and uh, if anything, well, they're not worse. But, boy, <laughs> that potato head looks nothing like Captain Kirk. No, not even close. Not mm -mm. even close. See, the description here agrees with what I said before. Mr. Spock and Uhura in Mr. Potato Head form. Yeah. <laughs> Loaded with Star Trek themed parts and accessories. <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah. So. That's that's pretty pretty poor and weird. And weird. Very weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. And then the last thing just cracked me up. Okay. There's two two things. Oh wait, We're did on I the second to the last? Oh, right? I skipped one. Oh yes. No, uh, sorry, I I forgot to open this tab. This one I actually thought was kind of cool. So you can buy, and yes. uh, again the title gives it away. Kirk gold cotton beach towel. Now. Again, they put the name Kirk in this, even though this isn't actually a picture of Captain Kirk. It doesn't. I mean, it's a gold cotton beach towel but there's no picture of William Shatner on it or anything but putting Kirk in the title makes you sell more of them and lets you charge a higher price so therefore they put Kirk in the title of it. Well and it is definitely a Kirkish accessory. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think cool. it's pretty cool. Yeah I think so too and it's it's a beach towel. It's 60 inches tall and 30 inches wide um, and I like the description. It says this gold captain's towel is the standard issue military grade towel that is issued for use by all captains and only captains of the United Federation of Planets. Wow. Um, then the thing that I thought was, was interesting, you know, if you buy this beach towel because it's so big, you know, if you laid it down, you could pretend you were just lying on Captain Kirk, which would be pretty nice. Well, and it's got some nice detail. It's got, you know, sort of the, the neckline mm -hmm. and then the Star Trek insignia. But down at the bottom, they have mimicked the captain's braid. Mm -hmm. I know. It looks good. Which I think is pretty neat. Now, I have to click a link here that is see all Star Trek bed and bath. <laughs> I would like to see the end beyond, but let's That's see. That's what I was going to say. Do they have any uh, beyond? It's fle the fleece bathrobes, uh -huh. the beach towel. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can get a red one, which means you'll probably drown, and a spot <laughs> one, a blue one. And that apparently is it. Oh, they should have more. Yeah, but oh, I do, I do like that beach towel. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
I thought that was good. Okay, and then on to the last one, which made me laugh, which is that you can buy Star Trek, not just Star Trek Monopoly. No, you can buy Star Trek Klingon Monopoly. Okay. And it's this, sold out. And it's all in Klingon. Literally? <laughs> well, I think probably the cards and everything are not in English. I think maybe they're like in English. Oh wait, on it the says back. features bilingual. Okay, but if you're okay. looking at the, I'm looking at the board here, and it looks like all of the the squares on the board are in Klingon and not in English. Well, I see the word go. Okay, so that's in English. <laughs> but, yeah, Klingon Monopoly. Klingon Monopoly. And the very first thing in the description says, it is a good day to die. <laughs> it, is, it is a good day to play Monopoly. <laughs> what do they use for the money? Does it say here? Oh, probably um, gold press latinum. I don't know. Let's that's what see. I'm trying to find out. Yeah, and, and I wonder what the... Um, the, oh, the little uh, things. So they're ships, aren't they? Oh, there's a uh, botleth. There's a captain's chair. Boy, you have good um, eyes. I'm squinting at the um, I, Yeah, there's a bird of prey. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, the, sort of, I guess, a federation ship, it looks like. Yeah, it's too bad they don't have a, a better uh, picture of that. You'd think they would. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, zoom in to to make big or something to embiggen. To embiggen, but, yes. um Well, yeah. <laughs> and then, in, so I, yeah, I would love to see these details. Like instead of the railroad, it looks like it's a, a bird of prey there, mm-hmm. or, or battle cruisers or something. I bet it's it's pretty funny as far as what the names of the the different planets are that you would yes. conquer, and then what wow. like what are the utilities? I want to know what the waterworks is. <laughs> I wonder is Ruripentha one of the places? Oh, is that the jail card? Oh, that would be the so ja- the jail space. Yeah, the jail space. That would be so awesome if it was. Yeah. It would it would pretty much have to be. Yeah. And then like what do they have for houses and hotels and stuff? Starships. Ah, I hope so. Well, shame on you, Entertainment Earth, for not providing more detail. Because now I'm really? actually well, interested. Really? they want us to buy it. <laughs> I want to know more, but I'm not going to buy it to find out. Because it's, <laughs> well, you can't because it's sold out anyway. Yeah, it's $34, which is an awful lot of money. Yes, I want to see what the other Star Trek games are. Oh, see all Star Trek games. Star Trek Expeditions board game. No idea what that is. Oh, there's a lot of games. Wow. And some of them are those Hero Clicks games, which are little, little uh, miniature figurines. What are those? I've never never heard of them. Oh, they make them for comic book characters and for other science fiction series. But there's a picture of them over on the right. It says Star Trek Hero Clicks Tactics Series 2. They're very small, and they're, they're little tiny models. Oh, okay. Well, the, uh, the playing cards are there, too. They're down mm-hmm. at the bottom. I see that. I have a, a distinct feeling that anything like an Expeditions board game would be, for us, a lot like trying to play the the Academy computer game where we just keep dying over yes. and over well, again. Well, um, speaking of the Academy game, they are coming out with a new one for the new <laughs> movie. Great. So you can, I'm excited you know, be about that. to the Academy and probably get bossed around by some nasty admiral <laughs> and end up in a black hole just like we did. Yell that. Just yell that. <laughs> I know. 
But I remember we just kept clicking everything. Ooh, let's go to the library. There will be answers there. <laughs> that was pretty pathetic. We were so awful. Oh, yep. It was terrible. Really, really bad. As you bad. said, we rode the short shuttlecraft <laughs> to Star Trek Academy. <laughs> oh, don't let us into Starfleet. Okay. So that was this, this week's Star Trek crap in lieu of our Etsy segment. So. Okay. Well, that was all pretty crappy and none of it, you know, uh, worth getting. But I still, sometimes we have got to get, because it's no fun with two people, we've got to get several people and play Star Trek Uno. Because yes. I have that and I love playing Uno. Yep. I agree. And and I just I just want a bunch of people to play it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I agree. I think we should do it. Well, it'll have to be the next time that we have um, a con party, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that mm-hmm. would be a good idea. Last time we had a, well, no, it wasn't the last time, but many years ago at a, a con, I tried to get several people to play and they were like, no, we don't want to. And I thought, oh, losers. Sports. sports. <clears throat> anyway. All right. What would you like to talk about next? That was my segment. You're next. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, the... Uh, the Mark of Gideon segment. Okay, we can do that. Um, so we both watched Mark of Gideon. It was on television last week uh, in the restored, remastered form, which was very pretty. Um, yes, color very colorful. Looked, yeah, the color looked good. The planet looked very interesting and all that. Um, and upon watching it, I remembered again that it was a stupid episode. Um, and, and as you pointed out, a somewhat disturbing episode as well. And at the end of the episode, I, I just thought to myself, you know, in the first five minutes, why didn't Kirk just ask the computer to tell him what was going on? Good thinking. Because <laughs> then the episode would have been over in five minutes. I didn't think of that. I was thinking, why did they need to build this whole ship and everything if they could beam him down and have him unconscious long enough to get a blood sample? Yeah. Then they could have just had a fake meeting with him mm-hmm. and sent him off to the Enterprise. Why did he need to – why did they even need to go through that elaborate ruse? I, I don't know. I mean, the the um, O'Donna's father explains it by saying she was hoping you would fall in love with her and want to stay on the planet. But then I thought, wait a minute, but they had planned for her to die all along so he would fall in love with her and she would die and he would still want to stay? That yeah. Does, that doesn't make any sense. Well, and the whole thing was, um, well, now you've got the blood sample. Why does she have to die? Because her sacrifice will inspire and blah, blah, blah. And then it's A-OK that she doesn't die. Yeah. So, um, but I do remember, you and I watched this together once, and I remember your comment when she first appears, sort of dancing down the hall with her hair in the ponytail and everything, and you went, oh, good, a yoga instructor. (laughs) Yes. That's exactly (laughs) what she looks like. Oh, she's the ship's yoga instructor, and Kirk's like, have I seen you here before? I don't remember. <laughs> I just transferred on. <laughs> but um, um, it, it's weird. It, it, it's, um, I still think, though, that there is some good stuff in this episode, and one of the the images that has always stayed with me from the episode is the first time you see all those faces. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. very scary. Yeah, it is. It was good use of imagery. I think it's it's actually a very beautifully shot episode. Yes, it is. Um, good camera work and, and really good use of interesting camera angles, too. 
Um, I also like the fact that um, Kirk was Kirk in the same way that he was being Kirk in the um, empath episode where, you know, he, he's one, one second he's being very nice to her. And then the next he's like, who are you? We barking at her. What are you doing yes, here? What, yes. What's going on with my ship? Where's my crew? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Tell me what you know. <laughs> being all mean to her. Where's my crew? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that, that I like. And um, as you were pointing out when we were talking earlier, this is another one of those episodes where it's really obvious really obvious <laughs> that they had sex. Yeah, because they come swaggering out of his quarters with his arms slung around her shoulders. And it's like, well, now we've done that. Let's go do something else. Well, and he does say, well, the next thing we need to do. And it was like, what was the, the previous thing you had to do? You know, but here's what I'm wondering is there's nobody on the ship. They have pretty well established that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Why didn't they just do it on the bridge? Oh, anywhere. I else. always think, especially a, a very sexual captain as Kirk is, that that would be every captain's fantasy mm-hmm. is or, to do it on the bridge or on the observation deck, right? Uh, yeah, well, well, a million places, but I think number one for a captain would be the bridge because that is, no pun intended, the seat of power. Mm-hmm. That's where he is the most in command, but also the most on duty and having to. You know, probably repress a lot of impulses mm-hmm. because he's really, really the captain there in the captain's chair. Well, um, I think that that would be an iconic place you'd want to do it. Maybe he was afraid of like all the the um, Federation black box monitoring stuff that actually <laughs> takes video of what's going on on the bridge, whereas in his captain's quarters they don't have that. I don't I'd know. see. I think if they had that. <laughs> You would never trust that they don't have it in your quarters. <laughs> this is true. This is true. They have it everywhere in the bathroom, in the shower, <laughs> really? in the Jeffrey's tubes, especially in the Jeffrey's tubes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do like, uh, you know, he's so focused on solving this mystery and then there's the moment where he becomes interested in her as a woman and mm-hmm. the way he stops and, and, and looks at her, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know the whole thing. It's the real Kirk seduction thing. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like music starting or something. Yep. You just, uh, the dog is growling cause he's not getting any attention. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> but I do like that. I like that a lot. So it's weird. And I think we must have mentioned last time, too, that that episode was co-written um, by the actor who played uh, Cyrano Jones. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that. Yes. I'm, I'm sure we did mention it, but I didn't realize it. Yeah, I saw his so name. So that's it. it. That is interesting. And um, who was the other writer on it? I can't remember. I think it might have been a regular, one of the regular writers. Mm-hmm. So uh, Stanley Adams is the, the actor. And okay. uh, maybe he had the idea for it and then someone else helped him to turn it into a script. Right. Well, the reason I say it's disturbing is, um, or maybe disturbing isn't quite the right word, but it certainly is one of those that that manages to, to slip in a, a Again, a piece of contemporary um, American debate, contemporary for that time and still for this time, having to do with birth control. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, when I, I see that, 
my mouth falls open a little when Kirk says, but there are ways of preventing conception mm-hmm. or contraception yeah. or, what, or the, you know, whatever. But it's like that guy's argument for why they're so overcrowded is so stupid. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, we value life too much to ever do that. We'd rather everyone had terrible lives. Yeah, exactly. And not enough resources, not enough space. I mean, obviously, it's a, uh, as far as storytelling, this is, you know, exaggerated, like the slippery slope thing, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't do that. But um, th- that whole argument is just stupid because, first of all, if it was that miserable, wouldn't enough people just be committing suicide anyway? Exactly. I mean, they, they say at one point that um, they uh, they don't have sickness and they have really long lives. So it's very unusual for people to die young. Usually they live a mm-hmm. really long time. So, you, yeah, you'd figured by now people would have worked out like the extremely violent ways in, it, in which it's possible to kill yourself. <laughs> well, or to kill others. And I also hate. When they do this um, this thing of our philosophy is life is too precious, and so that's why people wouldn't commit suicide. That's why people wouldn't uh, kill each other. And I'm going, where is this this world, this society, where you might say our overwhelming philosophy is this, and every single person subscribes yeah. to that and holds that as the sacred thought that drives their every action? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that seems highly unlikely. Highly. Yeah, well, it's like um, the, uh, oh, whoever they are, who uh, Kirk is talking to when he ends up in the mirror universe. We, you know, will gladly die rather than blah, blah, blah. <laughs> really? All of you? Everybody's like A-OK with it? And like uh, the uh, uh, Armageddon one where people just yeah. peacefully go yeah. into the death chamber. Yeah. Well, you know, episodic television, they have to make it that way. Yes. But, yeah, yes. It, it just, it does take it away. It takes you out of it a little bit when you start thinking about it because it's like, really? Yeah. That, that wouldn't happen. I just don't think that would happen. Actually, the episodes where um, there is a society and then there are rebels within that society are far more interesting and, yes. and, and more layered because that's the way things actually are. Mm-hmm. I do, I do appreciate, though, you know, Kirk stating pretty blatantly that the Federation, you know, has birth control. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And that that's, that's part of an, an evolving society is making responsible decisions. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I believe we, we might have said, too, that, that getting that line in about um, contraception was a big deal. Yes, you know that they could actually say that on television as a you know as a good thing that the federation supports this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to just say I thought, and tell me if I'm totally off about this, that there was at least part of a scene that I didn't remember seeing before. So and what was um, that? When Odana is now sick and she's laying down, I guess it's in Kirk's quarters, and her father's talking to her. Mm-hmm. To me, that scene seemed a lot longer, and this, he's asking her how she's feeling, and she tells him, and then he says, are you in pain? And she says, yes, and he says, tell me what that's like, because he's never felt it, and she gets into this semi-long mm-hmm. description. I don't remember that scene. Am I wrong? Was that always in the episode? Now that you're, you're saying it, I'm not absolutely sure. Maybe it's one of those things that, <clears throat> as we know, um, 
local stations made their own cuts. Yeah, that's and what I was so thinking. maybe it's it's one of those things where it it was cut in in certain locations, mm-hmm. and you know my memory is just muddy on it now. That's what I thought. Maybe a syndication cut. So anyway, yeah. if, any, if anybody knows if that was a syndication cut, please tell me because I felt like I was going a little crazy there. <laughs> like, was it in? Was it not in? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, but you know, for a, a ship in a bottle episode, mm-hmm. that that is not a bad one. This is true. Um, and honestly, I think if we looked at almost every episode, we could find a way that they could use the computer or what or just have a better idea how to handle yeah. a problem that would mean there was no episode so it's kind of like you have to accept the premise this is true this is true um and that certainly is not the most blatant uh thing they ever did that makes you go well you know why didn't why didn't they use the computer why didn't they you know use the shields or or whatever right. was going to work why didn't they just use the eagles to fly the ring to mordor <laughs> that would have been so much easier yes and i found the answer to that when i was online oh really what was it <laughs> well it makes the eagles look kind of bad but <laughs> it's because um the eagles are gandalf's friends not his slaves well yeah but wouldn't they have done it to save all of middle earth <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, did Gandalf ask them or did he say, oh, you know, I've asked them for so much. I just, I can't go to them again. Or, you know, do you know what kind of interest the eagles charge? You know, the vigorous on having them fly into danger. You know, Aragorn and could have could put up the money sparrows, for that. But yeah, I don't know if they can make it, you know. I mean, there are all these things you have to consider. consider. Yeah, it would have been a big deal, but I think they could have pulled it off. I do. <laughs> I like the one. What was it? I think it was one of those fan-made things of um, where where they, they did it and went, wow, just think if we'd had to walk all that way. <laughs> yes, it would have taken months. <laughs> Speaking of fan-made things. Yes. <laughs> somebody sent us. And I should I should look and see who it was because it was absolutely delightful. Uh, oh, great! I cut it. I cut the email, but it's on our our Facebook account. A fan made version of the two minute trailer for the new movie. <gasps> oh, Did you go look no, at that? No, I need to look at that. It is so hysterical because I mean they did it like on their own, no budget, and for the the scene behind the glass. Yeah. <laughs> Where one of them's behind the glass, you know, Benedict Cumberbund, he's standing outside a patio door. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's shot for shot, the exact stuff. But they did it all, you know, in their office and in a car yeah. wash or God knows where. But um, I should quickly go look at who sent that to us. So hold on a second while oh, I get there. That is Be- too funny. Because it just, it was killer. And I, I put it up. I believe on our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while, while you're looking for it, I will mention briefly that um, the illegal clip that we had put up of the nine-minute trailer for Into Dumbness mm-hmm. has now been yanked by the studio, so it's no longer available. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, this uh, Jennifer sent us this. Okay. And um, it's the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer, homemade version, shot for shot. Great. And it is absolutely brilliant. Yay. 
uh, I just want to mention a couple other things that have been on our Facebook page in case everybody isn't following that. Because mm-hmm. um, there are a couple of real goodies. One is a petition on We the People, which is a government site. Yes. And if you get enough people, they have to respond. Mm-hmm. And this is one to get the Kennedy Center to make the original series cast, but mostly William Shatner, um, Kennedy Center honorees. That would be so awesome. Well, that would be great. And it's for contributions to American culture. So it's kind of stunning that they haven't done it before. Yeah, I think so. Well, I signed it. I did too. So I'm hoping many people did. Um, Also, I'm just going to go through these quickly, then we'll take a break. Mm -hmm. Um, Another media conquered. Um, the, uh, The state of Texas... is issuing Star Trek lottery tickets. (laughs) And on the day of, uh, that it first happens, they're having a big event that Bill will be at. Mm -hmm. And this is March 30th. Of course he will. (laughs) um, To attempt to break the recently broken record for most people in Star Trek costumes. So that is, uh, that is pretty cool. And that is, and they've got a, a picture of the lottery tickets. And uh, so it's definitely another media conquer. Oh, yeah. Well, of course he's going to be there. I mean, it's a great opportunity for him. He gets to travel somewhere. It's about Texas. And I love the fact that this little article on Trek Today has pictures of all of those things and then a picture of Captain Kirk. Of course. Um, the other thing is, this has inspired, I know you follow Bill's tweets, and I do too. Bill is thinking of sponsoring some sort of online costume contest. Yes, he tweeted about this, and he said he wanted to do sort of a Twitter contest where people would um, take pictures of themselves and, and tweet it. So mm-hmm. he's thinking about how this could be organized and how to get the numbers verified and all that stuff. So it could be a real official um, costume contest. Yes, and I, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Lastly, and I need to join this group and start following them, um, Diane Hunt Mm -hmm. sent us a link to a group, and I forget what they're, oh, the William Shatner Fellowship. And the day she sent it, I went over there, and there was the most gorgeous picture of shirtless Bill. Ah, shirtless Bill. In a cowboy hat and a neckerchief, looking Mm -hmm. very tan. The collarbones are very prominent. You know how I am about those collarbones. Mm-hmm. I just want to nibble them like a piece mm-hmm. of corn on the cob. And uh, so I'm going to, to start following them because uh, William Shatner Fellowship, I mean, what better to follow? What better use of my Internet time could I possibly make? Of course. I mean, we, we need to be united in Bill. That's important. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, on that note, let us take a quick break. And then um, we've got loads more stuff coming up, especially um, a movie review from you. Yes. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. 
We love our listeners and we want to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and comment at the blog at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This podcast produced on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. We're back now. Okay. I did something for our show that I've been meaning to do for a long time. I watched William Shatner's Get a Life. Yay! Now, for those of you who don't know or are going, what, what, what? That sketch on Saturday Night Live. This is Bill's latest documentary, Exploring the World of Trek Fandom. Mm -hmm. And if you will remember, he did one previously, and I forget what it was called. (laughs) But, um... In which the revelation to him, and therefore to the audience, was that the people who attend Star Trek conventions are not really going to see the stars, but to see each other. Mm -hmm. And certainly, um, you think of many of the fan-run conventions that have minor or no stars. Certainly, the Slash conventions have no stars. It's it's a a community thing. Mm -hmm. Well, in this second one, William Shatner's Get a Life, which, first of all, I want to say I strongly recommend. Yay! Very, very enjoyable. Um, He, again, is exploring this question and finds there is a deeper answer. (gasps) And it is an answer that is not news to you or me or to anyone who listens to our show. But it is a revelation to Bill. And I think it might be a revelation (coughs) to people who are not involved in a fandom in the way Trekkies are. So um, it's only an hour long. It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And you can probably find it other places to stream it online. And I took two and a half pages of notes. Wow. Because I was really into this. And it's, so I'm just going to generally go over some things and then get into some specifics. Okay, cool. <clears throat> um, first of all, there is no snark to this. Unlike, um, is it Trekkers or whatever Trekkers, that, yeah, yeah, Trekkers. There, and all of those. There's usually a certain amount of snark to it. Mm-hmm. Of all, aren't these people weirdos? Uh this isn't. This is very sincere. And um, the people in it, they make no attempt to find the weirdest person there. Oh, thank God. Oh, you know, oh my God. None at all. And so a lot of the first part of it is just <clears throat> these various uh, people, many in costume, most in costume, because that was, it was, okay, it was filmed mostly at the 45th anniversary convention in Las Vegas. Okay. And that was the one that had a big deal of let's have the most people Mm -hmm. in Star Trek costumes ever. And I got to say, the shot of the room, the ballroom, when they had the costume contest, is such a delight because it's all bright colors. Wow. There's so much gold and red and, and, you know, just wonderful. But um, so it's these various Trekkies. Uh, you know, introducing themselves, saying who they are, what they do, how they first got into Star Trek. And what I noticed is a number of them are military or retired military. There are a couple guys who um, were in the Coast Guard together. Hmm. And they, you know, were both Trekkies and... uh, 
And the the one says, yeah, he the one's retired now. And he's saying, yeah, he used to shoot his phaser at me over the intercom. You know, and it's kind of cute. But um, <clears throat> even the ones who don't say, and I chose this profession because of Star Trek, you can see the influences. Wow. And one woman is the head of the software engineering team that runs the Hubble uh, telescope, space telescope. Wow. There is a woman who is a... Uh, Oh, I can't remember what you call it. You know, like the leader of a squad in the Aurora, Colorado Fire Department. And, um, you know, just a, a, a lot of people like like that. <clears throat> so let me uh, go to my notes now. And yes, actually, please. Bill is not in this that much. There is a little bit of narration. And uh, there's quite a bit of him in a particular interview that I'm going to talk about. But mostly it is the fans, either talking directly to the camera and explaining themselves or just being together with other fans, and you see what that's like. <clears throat> so one of the, the people I really want to talk about, because I found her to be so amazingly intelligent, was Nana Visitor. I love her. She's awesome. Yep. Okay. This. Hold on a second. I have to cough. <coughs> she, I thought, of all the, uh, the actors had the best insight into what was going on. There's a scene where she's there with, um, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name, Odo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Renee. Thank you, Renee. And um, is it Terry? Terry Farrell, yeah. Uh, Terry Farrell. I was going to say Terry Campbell, who played yeah. Dax. Right. So those guys were all from Deep Space Nine, FYI, right. for people who and, don't know. <laughs> and they're talking. And there apparently had been a breakfast at 7 in the morning for people who, of course, paid a lot of money to be at this. And they went from table to table and sat down and talked to wow. them. And they were joking and saying, that's yeah, like speed dating with fans <laughs> or something. But um, Renee said, well, I talk about me. I think they want, that's what they want. They want me to talk about me. And uh, Nana, and I found out that's how you pronounce your name, not Nana, but mm-hmm. Nana, um, said, no, I don't think they want us to talk about ourselves. They want us to see them and hear them mm. and realize this connection. And she also said, and they showed these people, she has a group, and it looked like there were five women who are, she said, you know, they follow me everywhere. Um, she said, you know, I did a play in New York on Broadway, and they were there every night, and, they, and they've traveled to Italy to see her. And she goes... And they are so connected with each other. She said, it's like, I don't matter anymore. (laughs) I'm their excuse to get together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about so many of the conventions we've been to. And the room parties are a big part of that. Yeah, yeah. um, Where the whole point is to be with your fellow fans and to meet other fans. So I thought she was very astute in understanding what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And I think most of the actors... Um, aren't. Um, so many times the word family came up. Mm-hmm. And one guy said, yeah, I've been going to these for, you know, 20, 25 years, and it's like a family reunion. You know, seeing these people that you are deeply connected to but don't see outside of this this one event. Right. Um, let me see. Okay, so now... I really want to get into this one interview that is inter 
interspersed throughout the whole thing. And that is Bill talking to the man who is the head of the Joseph Campbell Foundation. Oh, okay. This was this was wonderful. And this is the reason I think everybody should see this. Um, first of all, Bill mentions, you know, the idea of the hero and, you know, that he read Hero with a Thousand Faces. And, uh, and there is also a gentleman in this who is a professor of mythology and how he uses Star Trek as his modern mythology as one of them to to explain mythology and what its meanings are. But <clears throat> So he's talking to this guy, and one of the first things the guy says is, man is a meaning maker. We're hardwired for meaning. And that instantly got me thinking about you know, how we have these incredible arguments about the meaning of the minutiae in an episode mm-hmm. and how we we write fiction to support our thoughts or to expand that meaning or to bring a different level to it. So instantly I was just totally, totally relating to what he said. And um, at one point, Kirk is describing a hero. And I thought, and he's going to say, and that's what Captain Kirk was. And he goes, and that's Odysseus. <laughs> and, you know, it really took me back. And um, and the guy goes, yes. And he says, and it's it's a leader. Now, the, the, uh, the modern thing is a, um, a collective vision of the hero mm-hmm. that, I mean, we really know nothing or they don't get much of a mention at all of uh, Odysseus' crew. Whereas in this modern mythology, it's very apparent. I mean, it's it's part of the story is this crew and the leader's relationship to mm-hmm. the crew and their relationship to him. Um, <clears throat> and one of the, the thoughts that, that came to me as I was watching this whole thing, and somebody said, maybe it was this Joseph Campbell guy, about... Uh, it's not just the going to the conventions, it's the collecting things and, you know, all the other Star Trekky things we do. And he goes, it's that the fans want to be in that world. And I also thought, and he sort of said this, and we want that world to be in ours. Mm-hmm. And that's what the convention is is where these worlds connect Mm -hmm. and nobody so many people said you know it's or you know about being in the closet about star trek and one guy said yeah it's sort of a secret part of my professional life because you know he was one of the ones who who felt very strongly that star trek had affected his own decisions and what he does but apparently he you know he doesn't bring this up at work it's just something that's that's going on the joseph campbell guy also he just made so many wonderful points and and really everybody should go go watch this he said um uh how uh let me see he said being a trekkie is like being a renaissance christian and how you have this patron saint and that saint is a touchstone for your behavior. That that is is like your guiding star or the, the, the foundation of your own philosophy. 
And he says the purpose of mythology all the way back to the early days where people were telling these stories is it tells you how to relate to your own world. At that time, it was a tribe and what your your position in the tribe is and what, what it means to be part of the tribe. He also says it's a metaphor for life and a metaphor for confronting the unknown. And I know you and I have talked so much about it being the modern mythology. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has always stayed with me is something T. Jonesy said. Now, T. Jonesy is um, a, a fanfic writer, and she is also the producer of or creator, along with Killa, of wonderful fan videos. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was early in the fandom, she became a friend of mine, and she had been going to conventions and everything for years. And she said, you know, you go to these things, and there's Bill and Leonard and whoever, and they're telling the same stories over and over. And she goes, but that's part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. And it has always stayed in me because, and, and it came up as I was thinking about this, because this guy started talking about Star Trek conventions as ritual. And he says one of the important things about a ritual to really have meaning is that every time is the first time again, and it becomes new. And each time you do it, it layers it and adds new meaning to it. And so you go to the convention and there's... You know, the ritual, the things you do every time you go through the vendors, you, you know, there's the costume mm-hmm. parade, there's the room parties, there's, now there's the karaoke, they just, you know, mm-hmm. keep adding to it more and more. There's the photo sessions, the autograph sessions. That's all part of that ritual that reinforces and gives it <clears throat> more meaning. He talks about the fans, and this is fabulous, live into their mythology. And he says, if you're lucky, you become impassioned about your mythology, like a Trekkie. (laughs) If you're lucky, you are one of the ones who has this meaning in your life you have and I'm sure some people are this way about their religion or about a lot of other things and I think Star Trek fandom really does parallel religion as as far as what what we believe and 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 what we think about and argue about he also says um let me see. Oh, this was really interesting. Bill saying, but why, why Star Trek? Why did this happen? And the guy says, well, it came on in the mid-60s, right in the middle of the space program. And then man actually made it to the moon and walked on the moon. He goes, so there was this huge mental shift going on worldwide. And Star Trek was connected to that. He also points out something you and I were just talking about, about they could do things on Star Trek, like talk about birth control, talk about Vietnam, because they did it in this future setting and got away with it. He said that tied Star Trek even more to current events Mm -hmm. and helped us to think about these things and how we feel about them. And that was a big part of it becoming a mythology because it wasn't just, okay, they're floating around space and blah, 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 blah. Or, or, and it wasn't the dystopian view of the, of the 
future. It was this view that managed to incorporate so much of what was what we were thinking about and arguing about and wrestling with at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why people still are, are wrestling <laughs> using Star Trek in that way. Um, you know, I'm only a page and a half through my notes. <laughs> he also says the important thing about the conventions is that they are participation. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you participate in a mythology, that is a creative act. So you're being creative, even if you're not making a costume or anything like that. He also says you're living your truth, embodying your belief. And he goes, it's like when people would go to a cathedral. Um, To a lot of us now, it's like to go there and, and, you know, admire the architecture and everything like that. And he goes, no, no, that was part of living their belief. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, um, that, and so this is our cathedral. For Trekkies. Um, let me see what else. What else? Uh, oh, so um, I also want to talk for just a second about the guy who won the costume contest. Oh, cool. First of all, the costume contest is pretty amazing. I mean, this these are not schlocky costumes by any means. And some of the creativity, oh, my God. But the guy who won <clears throat> was a guy in a Borg costume. And we had seen him earlier, and the detail on his costume was so amazing. And he had made or built into it a voice adapter. So his voice sounded very mechanical when he spoke. And so he won first prize, which was very cool. And then they talked to him, and he goes, well, it's just amazing. He goes, you know, people are coming up and wanting to shake my hand, get my autograph, take my picture. And so for just this short time, I'm a a mini celebrity. And then he said, for this moment, I'm the face of Star Trek fandom. And I just thought that was so cool. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy that, you know, that was how he felt about it and that he was enjoying that moment Mm -hmm. for, for, you know, all that it meant to him. The last thing I want to point out is, they don't say this directly, but this is why the new movies suck. His <laughs> Bill, one of many, yes. Yeah, but this is the main one. Bill, and, and so much other mythology sucks, modern mythology. Bill and the Joseph Campbell guy both talk about um, the cost of being the hero. And being the hero is not just being the best or the smartest or any of that sort of thing. But it's that you go into the situation knowing you can't win. (laughs) That you're willing to pay the price. So, I I mean, I'm going to watch this again. I rated it five stars Mm. on It sounds great. It sounds really, really good. And and I completely agree with all the, the stuff about what cons are for. I mean, that, that is what they're for. It's for Mm -hmm. people to, to be in their community. And now, I mean, there is community on the internet in the way that there used to be community. Um, when people would have their local Star Trek clubs, you know, back in the day, I mean, remember when we talked to Mike Hall and he was saying that he had a Star Trek club Yes, he would, you know, type up the notes and everything and, and do that. And that was the, the way community was, before, I think, um, 
internet communities became the mm-hmm. way that people did, but it's not the same as when you go to a place and you see everybody in person and you're there to hear the speakers and you go to the parties and, and do all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, that, that reminded me that there is a, a wonderful part in the in the movie where this woman who runs a Facebook fan page for Terry Farrell, they arrange for her to meet her and sit down and actually talk. And in the, the course, they discovered that they each have a six-year-old son. Oh, wow. And Terry Farrell says, well... The first episode I let my kids watch or that I have them watch is Trials and Tribulations. <laughs> and she says, it's because that was <clears throat> my Star Trek, mm-hmm. was the original that she watched, you know, growing up. And she even says she had a friend that they would play Star Trek. And she always had to be the alien. <laughs> And her friend was Captain Kirk. And she goes, but I didn't want to kiss him. (laughs) (laughs) So that's like what you're talking about, you know, these Star Trek clubs. And I think it's great that Terry Farrell acknowledges she was a fan. Oh, that's awesome. She was playing the games. That is just great. Well, that sounds wonderful. I'm definitely going to watch that. I'm I'm really interested to to hear all this firsthand. And I'm so glad that it wasn't snarky and that they didn't seek out the freaks the freakiest people who were there. No, no. Um, and they also had quite a bit, if you remember this, from the captains. Did you see the captains? Yeah, I watched it. Okay. Remember there was um, uh, um, a young man called Captain Dave in a wheelchair? Yes. And uh, on a respirator? Well, there was a lot about him. Mm-hmm. And um, his par- his mother and his nurse we're both talking about, uh, first of all, he has to go to every convention he can go to, and that it's like taking a, um, an, an intensive care room to a convention because they have to bring every piece of mm-hmm. medical equipment. But he has, you know, photos of himself with all the stars. He's got an amazing bunch of collectibles. And that, uh, you know, when he, his mother says this, when he's there, he's with his community. He's with Mm -hmm. his friends. And um, he recently passed away, which I did not know. But um, so, you know, there is that aspect. But his, his mother and the nurse are both talking about he lived such a full life. And had so many wonderful experiences because of Star Trek Mm -hmm. that he could not have had, you know, if, if he didn't have this passion, that's what, that's what drove him. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just really, really wonderful. And you see in these photos, you know, a lot of the photos of the, the celebrities with the fans, the celebrities like just sort of sitting there. In every one of these, they are got their arms around him or they're smiling real big. There's a great one with Jonathan Frakes who is just grinning his head <laughs> off. You know, but like I say, this uh, for people who have never thought about Star Trek as mythology and legend and what it says and that being one of the reasons it has lived on, not because a bunch of losers wanted to wear these silly costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would recommend it. And I was thinking, you know, I mean, there are people who pay thousands every year to go to fantasy baseball camp. Yeah. And people understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, and if again, if you're lucky, you, you, as he said, you become impassioned. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I think that... 
like he was saying, there's so much out of Star Trek um, because it's modeled on classic classical mythology mm-hmm. where you're actually learning some critical thinking and you're also learning about um, difficult situations and the no and decision situa- making the no scenario in ways yes. that other types of media don't give to you. Not not that books won't do that because I think there are mm-hmm. loads of books that will do it, but yes. most um, TV shows don't give that to you and most movies don't give that to you either. Right. That kind of just situational thinking. You know, when we were talking before about Mark of Gideon and, and how many Trek episodes could have been solved in the first five minutes, you know, um, there are so many more like um, Balance of Terror, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like a really, really good episode, which there is no five minute solution to that. That episode just yes. has to play out the way it plays out and it becomes mm-hmm. a real test of the character of the captain. They imagine them trying to do an, uh, something like Balance of Terror with the, the new Trek cast. Could they do that? Right. No, never. Right. It could never no. work. No. Um, y- yeah, it, and it, it, like we were saying, it talks to important decisions. And it also, as you were saying, because a lot of it is based on classical literature, mythology, that sort of thing, and the bringing in of our contemporary issues, seeing them through that prism, mm-hmm. I think gives people connection not just to the future, but to history. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 it's a, it, um, one of the things that <clears throat> the Joseph Campbell guy also talked about is when TV, you know. Finally, there was TV in every home. It was the heart of the living room. And I'm thinking, yeah, it was uh, the the fire yes. around which the tribe gathered mm-hmm. Absolutely. to share exactly right. these tales of their past mm-hmm. and of understanding why things happen the way they do. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you see in Star Trek is many things happen the way they do because of the the action taken by a group mm-hmm. or an individual that we no longer, most of us, or at least I don't, uh, you know, believe there are these these godlike forces acting on it. That there's a scientific reason for things happening. There's also a a uh, a personal reason mm-hmm. for things happening, and that you can you can carry that through your life. Are you going to be the Captain Kirk <laughs> or the Ensign Barkley? Yep. You know, what it, What are you going to be? And, you know, it's not unusual at all to hear the Spock fans talk about it. I was the outsider. I was the alien. I was excluded. And he showed me a path yep. Yep. to accepting myself and to, to being worthwhile and living the life I wanted to live. That's yep. mythology. Yeah, exactly. And he's a, Spock is a, Kirk and Spock, both mythological characters. It's funny, you know, I have recently um, encountered a, a new phrase that I think is really apt. So, you know, when you're arguing with people in more formal types of debate, there's a thing called a straw man. You know, this is a phrase mm-hmm. that most people are familiar with, and it means yes. you take your opponent's position and you inflate it outrageously to become something that they never meant. You know, it's taking it to the nth degree where it's just nonsensical at that point. Well, the thing that I have heard now in terms of when people are having arguments about um, atheism, for example, or skepticism, they call it the straw Spock argument because they're saying that um, 
sometimes very religious people take the opinion that atheists, for example, are these cold, unfeeling people who have no belief in beauty or music or friendship or love or any of that stuff. And they're bad people. They're and evil. That's they can't right. do good. They can't do good. They have no morality. They have nothing. So that, that, that whole like unfeeling alien kind of thing is called the straw Spock fallacy. <laughs> and I was like, that is really good. You know, that's taking a concept out of popular mythology and using it correctly to illustrate a point. A yes. Wow. Point. That is really, really good. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So there you go. Everybody now learned a new term. <laughs> oh, good. The straw Spock. Hmm. <laughs> Cool. So do you have more about um No, we went through all my notes and um I just uh I wanted to see what it is rated on Netflix, but now that I've rated it, it won't show me that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. somebody else might want to go look it up and see. I sort of skimmed through some of the comments. There are quite a few comments and I haven't mm -hmm. read them all, but in general, you know, people were positive about it. Good, good. And good. uh it's not at all an ego trip for Bill. Like I said, he's not in it that much. And when he is in it, it's as the interviewer. Mm -hmm. And um, remember in The Captains, he had that great insight when he was with Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And there isn't a big aha moment like that for him, but there is a moment of enlightenment. So um, it's, it's neat to see him exploring this thing he's been part of. Yeah, that's great. How awesome. Well, now I really want to watch it. That's so cool. Yes, I'm it's glad. very good. I really recommend it. So listeners, all of you should go out and, and watch it and tell us what you think about this. Because yes. we'd love to know. Even though I've told you the whole thing, you should go see it. You should go see it because <laughs> you will probably find something different in it. Yes. Okay. We have two more things that we need to do to wrap this, this puppy up. Um, okay. So I want to quickly talk about um, Bill's AMA Reddit thing. Well, it's not oh, AMA yes, yes. Yet, but let's just talk about Reddit for a second. So um, Reddit is a giant online community that covers all kinds of topics. It's basically a giant discussion board. And there are different um, communities within it and communities within communities within communities. So the big news over the past week was that Bill posted something on Reddit ooh, to the Star ooh. Trek community. And all he posted was, I am here and I'll think about an AMA. Thank you to whoever messaged me about what AMA means. MBB. <laughs> and when he did that, the internet exploded. Yes. <laughs> so, um... Reddit speak AMA means ask me anything. So um, a person, a famous person usually will go on there and people can um, type their questions or comments or whatever and then that person can respond to them pretty much in real time. And that's usually about an hour of their time spent and they get to pick mm -hmm. and choose from the thousands of questions and comments that are there to respond to it. So everyone is very excited about Bill doing an AMA, which would be cool. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that would be totally awesome if he did that. But um, just the fact that he did it was amazing to some people. And uh, he tweeted about it a little bit. And, of course, Bill being Bill had to have people explain to him what Reddit was, <laughs> how it worked, what, you know. You say just, that like it's a bad thing. No, no. I mean, Reddit, Reddit is complicated. Um but I, I just thought uh, it was really funny that he 
made this thing and everybody freaked out about it. Um, there's a thing on Reddit, so you can upvote or downvote comments, whether you think they're good or mm -hmm. not, and you can also award them karma points, depending on whether you think they're good. And the ones with good karma sort of rise to the top of a discussion, and that way more people will see the good comments. Bill didn't understand karma points. Um, <laughs> And he says, so someone had posted a regular topic in Reddit that says, what pisses you off about Reddit? And Bill put, I still don't understand the need or use of karma, but what do I know? What do I know? I'm new. MBD. <laughs> and then he followed it up with, it's not conquering Reddit. It's trying to figure out how it fits into an overall strategy of using social media to connect with people. Even a simple hello gets graded using karma. Who wants that? Folks yesterday were offering karma points to me just to mention them on Twitter. That's why I deleted myself from the topic I posted yesterday because people were bribing me with karma points. <laughs> and it takes money to yeah. get Bill to, to do get something. Bill to do anything. <laughs> karma points. He doesn't need your enough. stinking internet karma points. Yeah. So he said that he's dipping his toe into Reddit sort of slowly and quietly so he will be back and he'll do an ama and we'll keep our eyes open for that when it actually yes. happens because that will be very very exciting yes indeed all right so the last topic that i wanted to talk about um because the show is getting very long but this is worth it um over on the more shatner group um our friend uh i believe this is zane who posted this put up some more wonderful articles from uh, bad Hollywood uh, magazines. Oh, yes. From Rona Barrett's Hollywood magazine. Most people don't even know who Rona Barrett was, but of course you and I do. So this is probably what, like a third or fourth tier kind of magazine for the time? Yeah, yeah. She was a third or fourth tier kind of um, gossip columnist, yes, too. Yes, exactly. And this article wasn't even listed on the cover of the magazine. Which is kind of sad, you know. Yeah. Uh, what was on the cover of the magazine was uh, John Wayne Goes Berserk, Exclusive <laughs> Interview, Catherine Ross, Her Hidden Life, New Romance for Ethel Kennedy, uh, and then Burt Reynolds' Sensual Kick, Boobs, Legs, and Older Women. So, I, I don't know. And then there's a picture of Allie McGraw looking really, really drunk outside in that club <laughs> or something. Okay. So, on to the Shatner article. And I'm just going to read a few choice excerpts from it. And it says, William Shatner, someday he won't be lonely. I feel incomplete without <laughs> someone at my side. Former Star Trek star William Shatner confessed seriously. I we think that's true. Yeah. We were visiting in his Hollywood hilltop home where he now lives alone since his divorce. The last two years have been ones of change for Shatner. His series and his marriage of some years died at about the same time. Quote, as for the way it is today, living together instead of marriage, well, I don't know how to make that distinction, Bill continued. So while he denies that his current bachelor days are anything but zingy, life has been <laughs> anything but dull. For one thing, he gave up smoking. For another thing, he recently found the house he now calls home. And then it gets into a longish description about this new house that he lives in. Um, says that he has a houser who comes in once a week. Once a week. Um, his house is very neat, and he has extra bedrooms in the house for when his kids come to stay with him, which sounds about right. Then um, he talks a little bit about getting divorced. He says, uh, Bill does admit that he would like to marry again, but not for a while. The one thing every man wants is a perfect woman. I have found that there is no such thing. 
The answer lies then in what areas is one willing to compromise. I will give and take. Now he gets into specifics. The girl doesn't have to be young, although I suppose if I want more children, she will have to be of an age to want a family too. An ideal wife for me must have a sense of humor, a joy of living, and she must want to participate in all of the outdoor things that I do to be part of it. So he's just sort of put out a casting call there for new girlfriends. Or, uh, that doesn't sound like a lot of giving, Bill. That sounds no. like the taking. <laughs> Pretty much the taking. Okay. So going through the rest of it is just, you know, talking about uh, being lonely and blah, blah, blah. But this is the best part of the whole thing. Um, he was in a, a, a play. And it says, for his latest role of Tom, the jet-set tennis bum in Mark Crowley's short-lived play Remote Asylum, Bill had to lose weight and tighten up some of the flabbiness that had crept on him. Quote, I had to go, around, I had to go into training because I walk around a lot with my shirt off on stage, he explained. I get up at five in the morning and run up and down the hills. And whenever possible, I swim in the nude. <sighs> <sighs> Because swimming in the nude is much better exercise than swimming in a swimsuit. I love the fact that he had to mention that he swims in the nude. Like, it just wasn't enough to say he swam. I had to swim in the nude whenever well, possible. Whenever, whenever possible. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, so that was the best part of it. So he talks about, let's see, he did a nice thing. Um, I entertain quite a bit. I'm sure you do. Um, this past Christmas, I gave a party for all the people I know in town who were without families, either divorced or separated. It was a party for lonely people. His tone betrayed the fact that he was not only the host, but one of those lonely people. At so present, he had an orgy. He did. At yeah. present, Bill says there is no one special in the romantic area of his life. But when he does find that special someone, he hopes to return to her in kind what he hopes she will give to him. I will give her my joy of living, and my full roster of activities. <laughs> okay, does okay. she get to give you her roster? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then this is great, this little quote here. Um, he says, It is very difficult for a man to be faithful to his wife. Not impossible, but difficult. I am rather old-fashioned. He's done it for as long as two hours. <laughs> I am rather old-fashioned and find it more difficult, actually impossible, to accept the idea of unfaithfulness in a woman. Yeah, good one, Bill. Yeah. No double standard there. No, no, not at all. So anyway, so that was Bill. So the other funny thing about this article is that um, he has a terrible toupee, really, really bad um, Mm-hmm. And he is wearing uh, like a polo shirt and then these awful striped clown pants. I mean, I don't even know. I think you know what? I think he might actually have worn these pants in um, uh, impulse. Impulse. Thank you. <laughs> I think you're right. He did have some clown pants in that. They're 
pretty bad. And then there are all these. In fact, like, isn't that what he wore for his circus strongman outfit? I, you know, it might be those pants. It really <laughs> might be. And he did put on a little weight. He's got a little bit of a tummy going on. There. Mm-hmm. But there's supposed to be candid pictures of him all like doing stuff around his house. Yes. So there's one where he's sort of leaning back on what looks like the couch my parents used to have. I think it is the couch <laughs> my parents used to have. And then there's another one. Where he's um, petting his dogs, and another one where he's holding a coffee percolator. Remember coffee percolator? Yes, yes. And he's pouring himself a cup of coffee. And I was sort of thinking as he was doing that, that whether he actually knows how to make coffee in the percolator, or mm-hmm. whether that was a thing. It's like, you can make coffee in this? How does yeah. that work? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this straight. You put the coffee in the top, and, and then what happens? You plug it in. <laughs> and then what? This is amazing. Yes. Um, and then there's a picture of him with a guitar. And the way he's holding his fingers on the guitar is no chord that is known to mankind that he would ever play <laughs> on a guitar. Um, doesn't the caption, I don't have it open right now, say something like music is so important to him that he learned to play the guitar? <laughs> yes. To, to accompany himself? himself. Yes, that's exactly what it says. And right. then the best picture of all, which I might use just for this episode, is um, he's. It's the caption says... <laughs> Bill takes great pride in doing all of the chores around the house, even plumbing. And it's a picture of him in the bathroom, squatting down on the floor with the toilet visible in the background. And he's got the 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 little doors under the, the bathroom vanity, the sink opened up, uh-huh. and he's gesturing towards it like, look at what I just did. I fixed the plumbing. It's the biggest grin on his face. He just looks like somebody... He, he just created, you know, gold out of lead. It's amazing. <laughs> I love those celebrity, quote unquote, candid shots. Oh. And I think there used to be a law about doing those that, um, especially if you were doing pictures with the family and the kids, that they had to have a guitar. <laughs> I think I the think photographer right. brought that along. I think you are right. Um, so these are hilarious, hilarious pictures. Um, and yeah, the picture with the toilet is my favorite just because you can see the toilet and also the hideous wallpaper in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, oh, I want to yeah. just throw in one more very quick thing and then we really will wrap up. Yes. And this is a message going out to all the Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club of those whose mythology has been or is about to be destroyed by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> this is true. This is very, very true. And I just want to sort of close with this quote that I'm going to paraphrase. Um, I read something that said it was announced that J.J. Abrams will direct the next Star Wars movie and the Internet broke in half. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird that they announced it right before the Star Trek movie comes out. Like, who yeah. thought of that? Who's, whose idea was that? Yeah. Really bad timing on everybody's part. Ugh. So, well, that's okay. Those are movies I'm never going to see, so I don't care. Right, right. But I'm just saying, you know, what's next? What is this guy going to stomp on next? <laughs> I mean, are they going to now give him Batman or? Maybe he's going to have unlimited power in Hollywood and just direct everything. Very bad, very bad. James Bond. All right. Well, let's think about William Shatner swimming nude whenever possible. I think that's a much nicer thought. Oh, yes, (laughs) yes. That is nice. That's very nice. 
Well, this so, has been a long but fascinating show, if fascinating. I do say so myself. Yes. Um, so, listeners, um, watch Get a Life if you can. Let us know what you think. Always be on the lookout for new tidbits of um, news of Bill and other things that you want to relate to us because we love getting email from you and we love getting comments from you on the blog as well. Yes, and, and you know, keep going to our, or, you know, put our Facebook page in your mm-hmm. timeline or whatever because a lot of fun things come up and I do post there and they don't mm-hmm. always make it into the show, but... This is true. We're busy. We're busy on Bill's behalf. It's your butt girls in absentia. That's right. Working hard for you, the listeners. Yes. All right. So, Bill swimming in the nude. Yes. Think about that. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. MBB. (laughs) (laughs) 